1: I've recently had similar questions from a couple of people who are raising money for their first deal or getting ready to raise money for their first deal, and the question is, what is the most common questions investors ask? So I think this is an important question because you know you need to be ready when you're raising capital. You need to be ready to answer the questions that the investors put in front of you. So I would say, as a first-time syndicator, the most common question that I got, and I think a lot of people would agree is the first question most people are going to ask is about your experience. You know if they're going to invest a large sum of money, you know, 20, dollars 50,000, you know, with you, they want to make sure that you have the requisite knowledge and experience to be able to take care of that investment. So, so I would say the most frequently asked question from investors is about your experience. Now there are a lot of ways to answer this and many people who are doing their first indication, you know, it's their first indication. So they obviously don't have a whole lot of experience. So a couple of ways to mitigate this. You know, number one I think is using your previous life experience or work experience and be able to translate that to multifamily. Now, a lot of times, you know, other jobs don't translate directly to multifamily, but many times portions of per- of jobs will translate to the skills that you need for multifamily. And that's one way to answer the question. You know, Another way is to partner with somebody who does have experience. And if you partner with somebody that, that does have experience, the question is a lot easier to answer is, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience, direct experience with multifamily. You know, I bring this related experience to the table, but to be able to mitigate that, I have partnered with several people who do have experience and can make sure that this deal works out or this investment opportunity works out. Now, Moving on to the next question that I think I got most frequently, it's always about where the numbers came from. You know, and, and it can be variations of that question, but you know, people are looking at the numbers and they're thinking, "Okay, you're raising rents. How do you know you can raise rents? Or how do you know that, you know, your renovation budget is going to be X amount?" So, a lot of a lot of those questions can be mitigated just with the amount of research you do on the market. You know, as far as rent bumps, you look at the comps. You know, how do you answer that question? Well, you have to have done your homework first, you know, and the more homework you do and the more confident you are in the numbers, the easier it is to answer those questions. You know, for example, the rent bumps, if you, you can come back and say, hey, you know, we have looked at, you know, 18, 20, or, or so many different apartment units in the local area within two miles. And here's where the average rents are for the two ones. Here's what the average rents are for the three bedrooms. Here's the average rents for the one bedrooms. And be able to you know, confidently answer the question of, this is how we're projecting rents in the future because you know the current rents are X in the market. And this property is currently behind market rents by you know, Y amount. Another frequently asked question that we get is about how much money we are investing in the property now this is one that's very important because I think a lot of people want to make sure that the general partners in a deal have skin in the game and especially your friends and your family if if you're not willing to invest your hard-earned dollars into an apartment complex or into an investment opportunity you know the, the question that they're going to have is why should they so the easy way to mitigate this one is to try to invest as much money as possible in each one of your deals. But how to answer this question if you're not putting money into the deal? Well, that's a little bit more difficult. You know, some people choose to... Sidestep it slightly, but you know, one way to divert the attention is to just say, you know, the GP is investing a total of X amount. And typically, a lot of lenders are going to want the GP to put in about 10% of the capital raise. So, in order to get the loan, you have to have a plan for this anyway. So, if an investor asks you how much money you're putting in and you're not putting in money, Just refer to the GP in generalities. The general partnership is investing a total of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in this deal, um, or whatever the number is. Now, incidentally, as a company, Four Oaks Capital, you know, we're on our ninth syndicate, or we've done nine syndications, um, looking for our tenth. But you know, we have not all been able to invest in every deal. Just like everybody else, we we started out with a limited amount of money up front. So I have not personally invested in all of our deals, but somebody from the company has. But regardless, you know, if you're raising money for your first deal, it's a good idea for you to invest in that deal as well, because what you will be lacking is experience in history and to be able to put your money where your mouth is, is going to go a long way with a lot of investors. Now, the last type of question that I think I get frequently usually begins with what if? You know, what if the market goes south? What if, what if, what if? You know, what if the place burns down? And a lot of these questions come up because of perceived risks in the investment space. So, people are wondering if their money is going to be safe. You know, I think the rule number 1 for, you know, Warren Buffett in investing is to never lose money, and a lot of people are just absolutely worried about losing the money that they put in. So, you know think about a lot of what if scenarios and before you start raising money before you're talking to investors about a specific deal go through a lot of these and figure out how you're going to mitigate a lot of these what if questions for example if there's a question about you know what if the market goes south and you know the economy is bad people lose jobs and people stop paying well one thing to do is to talk about the break-even occupancy point. You know, hopefully you figured it out, but you know most lenders are going to require you to have a certain surplus in funds on the average month, above and beyond what the loan actually is. So when you start looking at that, there's a break-even occupancy rate. You know, and really quickly, you know, if if you have a one two five debt service coverage ratio, then your automatic uh, break-even occupancy point is going to be eighty percent or less. And that's being generous because the debt service ratio usually inclo- includes market occupancy. So that basically means that if you're walking into a loan that requires a debt service coverage ratio of one then five, you then know, you can lose 20% of your paying customers above and beyond the market vacancy and still make ends meet, which is a pretty good number. And the higher that debt service coverage ratio is, the more vacancy you can stomach without losing money and obviously you can also talk about the reserves that you're going to have, you know, most people are going to walk in with 1 to 2 months of cash reserves that just stays in a savings account and is there in case you need money for something in case your occupancy goes below or your expenses are really high one month where you can tap into that reserve account and that reserve account gets replenished if if you ever tap into it. So so once again do your homework a little bit, you know, figure out, you know, how long that that account's going to, going to last. If you have two months worth of bills and you barely drop below your break-even occupancy rate for a little bit because, I don't know, you know, maybe there's a pandemic or something, you to pull out your spreadsheet, do a little math, and figure out how long that's going to last at certain occupancy levels. And you may be surprised how long that reserve fund is going to hold you over if you just barely dip below your regular occupancy or your break-even occupancy. Now, that's just one example of a what-if question, but think about the other types of what-if questions. You know, what if it burns down? Well, we have property insurance. What if this? What if that? Now, the last frequently asked question that I'll talk about here today is very similar to the what-if line of thinking. It's what is the worst case scenario? Now, in any investment, the worst case scenario is you lose all your money, and that is also true of multifamily syndications. Now, although that's the truth, you know, the worst case scenario is, you know, we go bust, everybody loses all their money, but there's also a very low likelihood of that happening for a lot of reasons. And you can also use your what if scenarios that you've already baked up a lot of answers to to answer this question as well. You know, so what is the worst case scenario? Well, your answer is worst case scenario is we lose all of our money, but that's not likely be- to happen because of all of these precautions we've put in place, you know, if the place burns to the ground, we have insurance. You know, if there is a small recession, we have a debt service co- coverage ratio of one point two or one point two five, and we can withstand an uh, occupancy level of seventy two percent or below and still meet all of our obligations. You know, so there, there's lots of things in there that you can talk about to help the investor understand that yes, there is a chance that you lose all your money. And I think it's important that you tell them that there is a chance that they lose all their money, but there's a low chance because of how good real estate just is as an investment. Anyway, that's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for Friday where we have another Ask the Expert episode with Natalie DeVos Burchart and Zachary Bryan.
0: Listen to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast, or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you again next week.